Good morning, church. Greetings from the south side of Richmond. We, uh, we, we seem to love being parts of the south sides of places. Um, next year, may, we'll be in the north side somewhere but uh, on the peninsula, but the south side of Richmond is where we are now, and we are so, so grateful to be there. Uh, thank you so much, Drew and Jenny, for uh, welcoming all of us. I'm so grateful. Uh, whenever I think about Drew, it makes me smile every time. Uh, though, though, when we were um, in that D group, he remembers that I don't remember. Um, I do remember one D group in particular. If you're visiting with us, that's a discipleship group. It's basically a mentoring group. And we were in an internship, and it was 2008. It was the year we moved to Richmond. I remember it very, very clearly. And I remember sitting in the grass. And Drew didn't look very happy. And, uh, well, he hadn't met Jenny yet, which is obvious partly why. But did only God knew. He was, uh, he was going through some rough times. He came, I think, from Kansas. And he was doing this internship and some, got some bad news from back home. And, and I don't know what it was. I just remember, man, uh, how, how incredible of a story it was that by faith he stayed in Virginia, uh, went to a junior college, and then went to, uh, uh, gave up a ton to do all that, uh, to, to, to do whatever God was calling him to do. I'm just so encouraged and so happy for you and for your family. And all that God has done through you since then is absolutely amazing. All the Charlottesville church is blessed by having these guys. Turn your Bibles over to Luke chapter 18, if you would. It is great to be back in the U.S. We did have five amazing years in the U.K. Uh, we loved London. I, I, I met a brother from uh, who's going, who's a UVA student or a student. Parham is that his name? Parham. Parham. Hey, we had a little little East London accent. Uh, I, I got to, uh, it makes me smile whenever I see that. This is our family. Um, if most of you know most of our family. Our boys are here. Our daughter is not. Uh, we have plus one there. You see Coleman. That's my future son-in-law in just three weeks' time. Uh, my daughter is getting married. And uh, yes, I feel old. That's, that's, uh, that is true. Uh, but uh, that is uh, what an amazing all that God has done uh, in the last... Uh, Five years. I, I appreciate uh, Rashawn sharing how God brought one person to another place, uh, to another place. Because actually, my oldest friend in 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 the kingdom is here today, Rob Jeffers. Uh, Rob and I, Rob and I go back many many years. We were on a submarine together before either one of us were Christians, uh, and uh, and Rob became a Christian in ninety one or ninety four. 94, and I became a Christian in 1996. We were reached out to by the same guy. And uh, I just remember Rob, uh, when he became a Christian, I didn't know what was going on. I just know what everybody was saying about him. And uh, uh, he, did, he stayed back on a deployment. It was really quite, uh, quite a lot. He knew me before, before uh, my B, when I talk about my BC days, he knows the worst of the worst. He, re- he remembers all of it and had to deal with me for a couple of years until I repented. And amen, here we are. Um, Luke chapter 18. You know, this is uh, to bring some context to it. This is toward the end of Jesus's ministry on earth. He was he was he was in the midst of preparing people. And if you go and study the beginning of Luke 18, what 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 uh, rings true through the through the whole thing is justification. 
People are seeking justification. In Luke 18, verse 18, that's going to be our text today. It says in verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, it is amazing how you reach out to us. We are so undeserved of it. And yet we see this man in this story really does reflect so many of our lives with the exception of maybe the riches. Uh, God, we are uh, in, so encouraged and challenged. And we pray that today we would be able to glean some things from this text that would move our hearts to make some decisions ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. What's going to happen to me when I die? How many of you have ever asked yourself that question? If you're a Christian, you ask yourself that question. I believe everyone asks himself that question at one point or another. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, the Bible says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I think it's absolutely natural for us to wonder what's going to happen when this physical world is over. How do I get to heaven? How do I achieve eternal life? Justification, as I mentioned early on, the, 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 the people brought their children to Jesus in the, just the previous text of, of Luke 18. And, and why did they bring their children to Jesus? Because they wanted them to be okay if they died. Infant mortality was, was, was early at that time. It was a very high rate. And they wanted their children to be okay because we all want to be okay. Now, many won't admit that. Many will say, oh, no, I don't wonder. I just keep myself busy. Sadly, that's what many people do. They medicate their way through the question. They don't want to know the answer because they deep down, they know there is an answer and they don't like the answer. God has put eternity on our hearts. Who are we to deny it? You know, we, we can attempt to deny it, but it won't work. All the skeptics. I'm sorry, all the skeptics who have gone before, who, who, who have now died, they know now because their eternity has begun. They know the truth 
now. Sadly, many more won't take the opportunity to find out before it's too late. And yet their soul is crying out for the answer. And Jesus on his time on earth, as he's finishing up his time on earth, he's all about preparing his followers and those that are not yet followers to say, you need to be ready. You need to be ready so that on that final day, you will be welcomed in. Now, if you're visiting with us today, I have to assume it's a question you're answering, you're asking yourself. And I know as Christians, we want to always make sure, not that we live insecure, worried lives, but we always want to make sure that we are ready when the end comes. The first point I have today, complete dependency, complete dependency. You know, children don't have a choice but to be totally dependent on their parents. You know, we, we hope one day they'll grow up as my kids are growing up and, and they'll be able to support themselves. And, and as my son, uh, we've talked about, I said, someday you will leave. Uh, you, you, it, you, it will be expected to get a job and leave. Uh, we, we love you. You can come visit, but you can't live there at some point. Now, if you fall on hard times, amen, we will, we will take care. But you've got to go at some point. Uh, you've got to go. Uh, I, I, I'm a bit of a mama's boy, and, uh, it, it, and I know that if my, my mother, uh, if I ever needed something, I know I could call my mother. And I've got my mother-in-law who lives near to us, and, and we do. We call her sometimes, hey, can you help us with the kids? Or, but, but, but I'm not dependent on them. Uh, it's great to know that they're there, but I'm not dependent on them. You know, this, this rich man, as he approached Jesus, and he, and, and he, he seemed very much... Like he wanted to figure it out. He, he wanted to know. Well, what's, what's it going to be? He even asked the question. He fell at Jesus' feet. Uh, you know, the, the Mark 10, the parallel passage in, in Mark 10, he, it describes that he, he fell at his feet. He didn't seem to care what people thought. He, he appeared completely dependent on the answer that was to come. You know, how do I get eternal life? Which commands? What else do I need to do? He seemed so eager. He appeared to have this, this incredible eagerness and earnestness to get his life together. It's incredible that, that he's a rich man. He's a guy who had it all. And yet he felt empty. How many people does that describe? How many of us did that describe at one time? Maybe you're sitting there and it describes you right now. You feel like you have everything in the world except the security of salvation because you just don't quite have it all together. We can, we can appear to have it all together and yet not have it all together. You know, he seemed ready to stop depending on his own way of life and begin depending on whatever Jesus said. But Jesus saw past all the outward things. He saw past all the money and he saw past the fact that he had fallen at his feet. And, and, and the Mark version says that Jesus looked at him and he, and he loved him. And he knew this man's heart. And though he appeared completely dependent and humble, he knew he was far from the truth. And his dependency was on other things. In his case, it was his wealth. And his money gave him comfort and it gave him confidence. And once Jesus challenged him, go, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. And the man knew he was lacking something. But it was the one, you, almost, you can almost sense that he's saying, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. And Jesus goes there. 
And see, what you may not realize is that Jesus is trying to go there in your life. He's trying to deal with that one thing that you're saying, no, Jesus, not that. Not my wallet, not my relationship, not, 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 whatever, not my schooling. Don't make me give that up. Not my job, not my house, not my car, not, not. Yes, that too. If you try to put anything, if you try to depend on anything above Jesus, it will be demanded of you. If you are putting anything before your dependency on Jesus today, it is being demanded of you by God himself. What is it for you? What is it for you? What are you putting your dependence in? We love to celebrate Independence Day, don't we? It was a little different celebrating it in England. Because they, they tell a different story. We would, we would actually, if, if we had people visiting us, we would say, could you bring us a... The Old Navy t-shirt, you know, that you could go and buy for $5. Or maybe it's $6 now. But, you know, and, and we would wear our American flag. My boys always uh, tried to wear, they wanted to wear their American flag shirts all the time. And the, they were well known for their American, uh, being American. And they refused, they can fake a good British accent, but they, 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 they refused to even do that. Uh, because they love the independence of America. We celebrate it. We make movies killing aliens about it. Uh, you know, we, 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 and, and, and we, we celebrate people that we know are self-made. And we think, wow, they're incredible. I want to be like that. But our independence is part of what gets us in trouble. And the, the, the fact that, that we, we want to try to be independent can, can, can make us make choices that we might, have, we might not have ever made. We, it'll make us violate our own conscience when, we, when we're independent. I remember whenever I was, uh, I was 18 and I was living at home and I had graduated high school and I was, uh, it was around, I remember it was Thanksgiving weekend of 19, uh, 1990. And uh, yeah, that's a little while ago. Some of you weren't even born yet. Uh, it, it was 1990, and, and I Thanksgiving weekend, and I told my parents, I'm moving out. I'm going to go live with some friends, and, and uh, I, wanted to, I wanted my independence. And less than three months later, I went to my mom. I said, Mom, I, 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 I need to move back in. And uh, uh, it's isn't working out quite so well. I'm paying the rent, but they don't really like me that much. So um, uh, I don't remember exactly how it all went down. I just know I had to move back in. And they said, okay, you can move back in, but you got to pay rent. And uh, hey, that's what you do. Boys, if you come back, you're paying rent. That's it. That's how it works. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, they were wonderful because my parents took that and actually saved it for me to go to college. So that was a, it wasn't a whole lot, but it was something. And that was cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, we, we, try to, we try to exert our independence. And if you're a parent of children, you know eventually they start at about two or about one and a half. And, and then you, begin, you, know, you, you spank them and you try to, try to teach them and direct them uh, because we want them to be somewhat independent. Uh, but, but dependent, we, we don't want to be dependent on the wrong things. And maybe, maybe you're feeling confident uh, because you're not like this man. You're not rich, so you're okay. 
Uh, maybe we can all relate to that one. Uh, we're amen. It won't be that, but it'll be something. Uh, you, but you, but maybe you're married and you're overly dependent on your spouse or on your stuff, the things you own. Uh, you know, sadly, many people become dependent on drugs and alcohol. You know, I, I know before I was a Christian, I became, I came very close to that whenever I was a teenager. Uh, but in our, in our world today, people dependent on their jobs. Uh, not just to pay their bills, uh, because we all need to do that, but, but to give them security. Yeah. If I'm not moving up in my job like I need to, I, I, need, you know, it's, I, I don't have security. i got to feel good about myself. As Christians, if you're a Christian today, the challenge of, of, of wanting to be independent and self-reliant is dangerous. It's just as dangerous. Not, not that you need to be a puppet. Uh, but you need to be God's puppet. You need to be God's man doing God's work. But my independence as a Christian can lead me to pray less and, and lead me to share less and say, I don't need to do this. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm rebellious by nature and independent by nature. But my selfishness and pride can keep me from being totally dependent on God. Whether it be inside the church or outside the church, God's going to let us make our mistakes and feel the consequence of those mistakes. And God's, God's, God's there all the time saying, come on, I've got all the answers. Just depend on me. I've got the answers. I'll direct you where you need to go. I've got the answers. Just depend on me. Okay, I will, but not that. Okay, I will. And God's saying, no, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. God, God allows us to go through challenges to see what or who we are depending on. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, you probably can't read it up there. It's pretty small. You have good eyes. These trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which per- perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed, which is the theme passage for this church. I saw that on the, on the little placard up here in front, of the, uh, in front of that. James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it pure joys, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Difficulty exposes the truth about who or what we are depending on. And you start questioning, why am I going through this? It's because you haven't learned your lesson yet. Not always, but often. But it's happening again. Well, it's because you're stubborn and you don't want to learn it the first time. God's going to let it happen again. We cannot in our pride and in our arrogance, mine included, I can become so independent. And God is so gracious because He continues to bless us time and time and time again. In spite of our independence, He continues to go just as He would have for this man. Just as He answered His question, He gave him the key. He, gave, he told him exactly what He had asked. And He didn't want to hear it. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you want to know the answer, but then when you hear the answer, you don't like the answer, so you ignore the answer. You just put it off. Oh, I'll get around to it. Will you? How do you know? How do you know what's going to, when it's going to be over? Who or what are you dependent on today? If it's not God first, then get someone to help you. 
Get someone to show you what it means. How do I do that? How do I depend on God? What does it mean to live my life righteously and in God's way? What does that mean? Well, Jesus gives this man a pretty clear uh, definition, and I believe it applies to us as well. And it's simply this. Give up everything. Give up everything. Jesus instructs this young man to go and sell everything he has and give it to the poor. Then follow him. And he goes away sad. We know it. Uh, When Jesus explains the challenge for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, the disciples are astonished at the challenge. Our, Our response isn't much different when we think about the idea of give up everything. And we can immediately begin to compromise and say, well, we aren't all called to give up all of our money in order to follow Jesus. Now, we, we, we are tempted to try and soften Jesus' own blow. Surely, we're not called to give up all of our money. Well, you might be. It's, as I said earlier, it's different for everybody. But we can't, we, we can't try to soften the blow in order to make it palatable in the 21st century. 2,000 years on, it's still the same. It's still Jesus' expectation. Jesus doesn't try to ease their minds. He doesn't try to remove the expectation by somehow uh, softening it. He he loves the rich man, but he doesn't lighten the blow. He knows if he, if he compromises on one thing, it leads to compromises on one more thing, and then all bets are off, and it's full of compromise. Suddenly, people will be able to be Christians and yet not have to give up everything. They can hold on to whatever they want to and still claim to be following Jesus without much cost at all. And that's what most Christianity has become today. Like Burger King, have it your way, feel good about yourself, And you'll be okay. The disciples ask about their own lives. And and, what about us? We've given up everything. Well, we know. Did they really give up everything? Well, we know they, after Jesus went away, and where did they go? Well, many of them went back to fishing. So did they really give up everything? They gave up what they were called to give up when they were called to give it up. But, it, but we know it. They didn't completely give it up because he went back to it. You know, he, he doesn't tell them to go and take it back. In fact, he tells them the benefits of giving it all up again in one of the other one. In the, I believe it's in the Mark version. He he'll he'll receive a hundred times more and then also eternal life. This is not a prosperity gospel text. It, it, it seems to promise amazing blessings. When I think about my life and my 21 years as a Christian, that I, 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 I look at, you know, I left Texas and became a Christian several years later. And, and look at this. Hundred times as much. I love my family, but man, I've got such a huge family now. Full of mothers and brothers and sisters and, 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 and generations of them. That's, that's how, that's, that's what God God blesses us when we do give it up. Sir Ernest Shackleton, when he was about to set out on one of his expeditions, printed a statement in the papers to this effect. Men wanted for hazardous journey to the South Pole. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, 
Safe return, doubtful. (laughs) Honor and recognition in case of success. In speaking of it afterward, he said that so overwhelming was the response to his appeal that it seemed as though all the men of Great Britain were determined to accompany him. Why is that? Why do you think that was? They were willing to give everything up to do something special. Do you want honor? Do you want excitement? Do you want to make a difference in the lives of others? If you're here today, I have to believe that you would, that you are, that that's what you desire. I actually saw a church, one of our churches overseas, that put a similar advertisement up for their one-year challenge. And at first, I'm like, wow, you'll never get anybody. But then I thought about this. I thought the line is going to be out the door for people to go and serve there because they want to do something special. People want to do something different. Everyone wants the reward. We want the honor, but are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to do whatever necessary? What is the price you say? Well, it's repeated in Luke chapter 14. In verse 33, anyone who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 and 39, every, anyone who loves his father, more, uh, father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, if, if Jesus gave us an exact amount... Just give $105 or, you know, X amount per week. Do this, you know, exactly. Why does he keep it so vague? Have you ever wondered why he kept it so vague? Who who here has ever wondered why does it stay so vague? It's because we would do the minimum. I would, I'll just speak for myself. I would do the minimum. But if you put in front of me, make every effort, every time I read it, I'm like, oh gosh, I, I know I'm not doing that. Persevere through what? Seek first his kingdom. Okay, yes, I've got to keep going. Am I doing enough? If you're asking the question, probably not. That's, can I do more? Only you know the answer to that question. And I think most of us may be shrinking in our seats thinking, I know I'm not doing all that I can do. What are you holding on to? Make every effort. Seek first the kingdom. What is Jesus seeing in your life? Is he seeing you give up everything? Your comfort for the sake of others? Helping, serving, leading? Meeting the needs of others. Have you just become a a, a seat warmer in the church? Someone who just comes and sits and says hello and goes. Or or, or are are you invested? Having done this for a little while, I'll tell you, the people that stay and are faithful and fruitful are those that are invested. Those that stay on the fringes, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Say, we all are on the fringes sometimes. I've been on the fringes. It's been, you know, at, at various times. Uh, but, but, but we can't stay there. 
You get. I appreciate. I appreciate. I, I, I appreciate Betsy and Gabe's sharing, and and get, as Betsy, your vulnerability about your time here, and I appreciate your faith. What an inspiration uh, to say, no, I'm going to get back in the game. I'm going to come back in the ministry, and they're doing a great job in the South Side. I'm so fired up to be with them. But how about you? How about you? You think you're too old to do more for God? Really? Go and study out Caleb. When did, when did Moses' ministry begin? You think you're too old? Not by God's standard. Your heart's still beating. You can do more. You can do it. And, 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 and now, if, if you're, if, I don't want you, the guilty souls out here always feel, oh man, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, I'm not so much talking to you. And I'm talking to the ones that may not have been listening up to this point. God wants you to do more. God wants you to give more and serve more and give up everything. That's his standard. I didn't make it up. If it were my story, it'd look a whole lot different. I'd keep a lot more. I'd do a lot less. And I'd have pie. That's what I'd do. That's it. I, I, would, I, would, I would change it. I would do it where you eat more, you lose weight. If it was my creation. The more meat you eat, the more weight you lose. That would be my way. But it's not my way. It's God's way. Now, we can't get overwhelmed by Jesus' call. And maybe you do. Maybe you're sitting there like, oh, my goodness, give up everything. I'm, I'm 14. How can I give up everything? I got nothing. Yeah, it's, that's good. Maybe a good place to start. Quit looking at your friends that have everything and be okay with that. Are you, are, are, you, are you giving up everything? And we, we always have to be looking and re-examining. Re-examining. Am I, am I giving up enough? Am I doing enough? Am I, and, and responding to the grace that's been given to us. And, and, and how much? A hundred times as much will be given back to us. Again, that's not a prosperity preaching. That is just give back to, give to God. God will take care of you. God, God goes above and beyond meeting our needs. Don't, get, don't be overwhelmed by it. He even, gives us, he even gives us the promise. With God, all things are possible. Let's go back to our text. In verse 27, Jesus replied, because they're freaking out. Verse 26, those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Because Jesus had just proclaimed that a rich man, can, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, he was not talking about a gate in Jerusalem and an actual camel going through that gate. That's not what he was talking. He was actually talking about a camel going through the eye of an actual needle. Uh, he, was, he, was not, he was being literal at that point. Okay? He, and and, and he, he, was, he was basically making it clear. It is very, very difficult. Now, just later on, we see it happen. We see, we see Zacchaeus who comes and, and he, he's in the tree and, and he goes and, and, uh, and, and, and goes, Jesus goes to his house. And, hey, and on the way there, he says, I'm going give, to give half of my possessions to the poor. And anybody I've cheated, I'm going to give them four times as much as what I cheated him. And he proved the point. It is possible. But only with God is it possible. Only with God 
Is it possible? Who here sometimes feels like it's impossible? My situation is impossible. We, see, we feel it's impossible, but, no, but nothing is impossible for God. He, 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 Jesus' proclamation is one that's meant to give you and I hope that all things are possible with God. All things are possible. I want us to watch a video to finish up here today that shows us that all things are possible. And let's watch this video. You probably might have, you might have seen this video. Before you lost your hearing? 
Yeah, I've been singing since I was four. So I, I left music after I lost my hearing and then uh, figured out how to get back into singing with muscle memory, using visual tuners, and trusting my pitch. So your shoes are off because you're feeling the vibration. Is that how you're following the music? Yeah, I'm feeling the tempo, the, the beat uh, through the floor. And Mandy, what are you going to sing? I'm going to uh, sing a song that I wrote called Try. Okay, can you tell me what it's about? After I lost my hearing, I gave up. But I want to do more with my life than just give up. So. Good for you. Okay, well look, this is your moment and good luck. You know, you think your situations are difficult, you know, to see her persevere. And she didn't talk about God in that situation, but uh, God gave her all those senses to be able to do that. And uh, only through God is that possible. And, uh, and, and you know, it's, it's, uh, you, can, you can do what God wants you to do. You can be all that God wants you to be. 
You can stop depending on your own strength and success and wealth and abilities just as Jesus was calling this man to. You can. It is possible. And you can begin to rely on God because with Him all things are possible. Do you sit there and think it's impossible? No, it's not. You may be limited in your thinking. You may not understand how it's going to happen. But I can tell you story after story of people who, might, who are now doing imp- what seems impossible. And I know, uh, I, I, I think the church is going through a transformation by the Spirit. Is that your theme this year? I looked on your website. I wanted to make sure I wasn't preaching something you had just heard. So... Um, <laughs> The work of the Spirit is amazing. And the thing that I pray for about my family is that our lives could never be explained outside of the work of the Holy Spirit. And I mean that. And, and we came here intending to go to Richmond and settle there and have a nice, comfortable life. And God had other plans. And here we are now going to be in Richmond and now we're going to go to Hampton Roads. You know what? I don't know what God has planned. Can I tell you I'm going to retire in Hampton Road? I don't know what God has planned. We're going to be there until God decides for us to not be there anymore. And, but, but with God, all things are possible. The Holy Spirit working in our lives, all things are possible. When we listen to Jesus' words, all things are possible. Are you ready to embrace those ideas? Because I know you're all seeking eternal life. You're all asking the question that that rich man asks. Am I ready? Let's make sure we are ready in everything that we're doing. That we are completely dependent on God himself. Not on our individual things. That we are willing to give up everything for the sake of the gospel. And remember that all things are possible through Christ. Amen. Thanks so much.